We're in the middle of a series right now uh, called Prayer for Normal People. This is Prayer for Normal People. If you're a normal person, I want to help you pray just a little bit better. I want, you to, I want to help you pray just a little bit more consistently, just a little bit more faithfully. Um, we have to say, you know, this is prayer for normal people because I've heard some people pray. And I'm like, I don't even know half the words you're using. This is for the rest of us, okay? Uh, if you've missed some of the messages, you can always go back and catch up. We have all of our uh, sermons. We keep them there forever, and they're even tagged and uh, saved according to topics on our website, so you can go back there and listen again. We have a podcast as well where you can uh, subscribe to it. Uh, but the first week, uh, we talked about the priority of prayer and how to keep prayer first in our lives, and I explained that we were going to be going over an acronym, P-R-A-Y. Pause, rejoice, ask, and yield. Last week, my dad preached on uh, pause. We need to turn aside and step into the kingdom of God when we pray. And this week, I'm going to go over rejoice. That's the R. Today is rejoice. Here's, woo, that's what we say. That's right. Um, so, so here's the basic idea. Before we ask for a lot of stuff, let's rejoice in the blessings that God's already given us. Another way to say that, here's my big idea for today. Before you ask for more, rejoice in the Lord. The Lord is a great blessing. The Lord is a great blessing. Having a relationship with Jesus is an amazing blessing. So before we ask for more, let's rejoice in the greatest blessing of all, Jesus. We rejoice in the Lord because Jesus is a blessing. I... uh, I recently took my son to a Harlem Globetrotters game. My dad always took me to see the Harlem Globetrotters. And uh, last year, uh, I got my son for Christmas, I got him tickets to go see the Harlem Globetrotters. He was so excited. And then the day before the game, uh, he was diagnosed with COVID. And we were like, well, we're not going. And he was so disappointed, just, just so mortified. And so... This past Christmas, just like a month ago, I fulfilled on a year-old promise. And I gave him the previous year's Christmas present again and said, this is it. We're going. And we went. We went to see the Harlem Globetrotters just last month when they were in town. And, uh, you know, those tickets weren't cheap, but I was happy to do it. I was happy to do it. And then we got there, and he says, Dad, get a hot dog. So I bought a hot dog for him that was marked up 500%. (laughs) That wasn't cheap. And then he saw some other kids with a basketball, and I just didn't have the heart to tell him no. He's been waiting a whole year for this. The anticipation has been building. He's like, can I get a basketball? And I was like, yes, I'll get you a basketball. And so we got a basketball. And then do you know what comes for free? If you spend a lot of money on the basketball, do you know what you get for free? You get to meet the Harlem Globetrotters. But we had to wait forever to get the, get the signatures. And so we waited forever. I'm telling you, we stayed out so late. He's never been out so late in his life. And we just, I was just, whatever he wanted, I was like, yep, we're doing it. And uh, he got to meet some of the Harlem Globetrotters, and he just had a great time. You can see his smile in the next photo there. He just had a wonderful time watching the, uh, the Globetrotters. I'll never forget, if you've seen the Harlem Globetrotters, you know why this is funny, but he turned to me uh, partway through and because he, he just knew they were basketball players, right? And he turns to me and he says, are they playing jokes? <laughs> yes, yes, they do that. Oh, and then he laughed. But until then, he was like, 
these are not good basketball players. They're just doing tricks. No, it's funny. That's the point. It's a, it's a, it's a show. Uh, but we loved it. And, uh, and that wasn't all. I mean, after it was done, he got, we had tickets. We had the, hot, the, the marked up hot dog. We had a too expensive basketball. We stayed in line for a couple hours to meet, uh, meet the Harlem Globetrotters and get signatures. And then we get to the car and he says, Dad, can we go to McDonald's and get chicken nuggets and a chocolate shake? And I said, yeah. And we went. We went to McDonald's and got a chicken nuggets and a chocolate shake because he's been waiting a whole year to, to have this time. And a lot of money got spent that night. Let me tell you, a lot of money got spent that night. I'll never see it again. Uh, but I felt like it was worth it. You know, I got to have that special, special time with my son, and I, I, I loved doing it. It was a privilege to me to be able to do this with my son and for my son. But let me tell you what the best part was. When we were in the car, and we were just getting on the highway, we just, we just got off cold water onto I-69, heading back north to Auburn, and, and I remember right at the exit, he said, Daddy? And I said, yeah, Caleb? And he took a breath and said, I sure like spending time with you. I was like, I will spend double to have moments like that. That didn't, make, that didn't change the way I, I love my daughter. She wasn't there that day. That didn't change anything there. But that was a special closest that he and I got to share that night. I sure love spending time with you. See, he, he recognized that just being together was a gift. That was a blessing. That was a blessing to my son. I'm so privileged, privileged to have a second grader that figured that out. And I'm blessed. It was a very personal moment that me and my son were able to share that night in the car when he was like, I just love being with you. That was, that was personal. We got closer. If you feel like your prayers are not getting you any closer to God, if you feel like you have an impersonal connection with God, this is what you're missing. What I'm, what I'm sharing today, this is what you're missing in your prayers. Some, some of us have been praying for 15 days now for the, for the 21 days of prayer. We're on day 15. Some of you have been praying and don't feel any closer to God. This is why. This is it. This is what you're missing. Yes, you can ask God for things. And yes, he loves to give his kids great gifts. But way better than that, we get to rejoice in the Lord. In the book of Philippians, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. They, they missed the claps in the original translation, but they were there, I think. What's it mean to rejoice? What's it mean to rejoice? I think it means this. We can be satisfied in knowing that God's with us. We can be satisfied because God is with us. See, before anything, before all creation, before anything, there was God. In the beginning was God. He was there. And he saved us. He gave us his life before we were anything. He did all that work on his own because he loved us before we were anything. And what he wants in return is for us to respond. That response is worship. John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking with a woman at the well. And in verse 23, he, I think it's 23, it might be 22, but he says, uh, the time is coming and has now come 
when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks. Look, God is looking for us. He is seeking us. Like He wants to spend time with you more than you want to spend time with him. He wants that personal connection. So what's it mean to rejoice? To, to rejo- rejoicing, the R in P-R-A-Y, is adoration. It's worship. It's celebration. It's remembering what God did and praising him because of it. When you remember what God did, you can respond and you, and you, you worship. It's like, like I got my kid all this stuff, for, this stuff at, the, at the game and he responded, I love being with you, Dad. I love being with you too. Rejoicing in the Lord is adoring, recognizing our relationship, and responding to God in worship. And boy, is it personal. If you're taking notes, you can write this one down. Number one, it's not business, it's personal. Prayer is not business, it's personal. Let's not talk to God the same way we talk to Santa. You know, me and Santa Claus, we have a relationship. It's a transactional relationship. It always has been. I give him a list of things I want, and he gives them to me. Transaction. I want this, he gives it to me. That's a really, I'm not closer to him. Like, like I don't know anything about him. Any, all the things I know about Santa Claus's family, I learned from a Tim Allen show. No? Okay. Some of you people. I'm not any closer to him because of that relationship. It's not a personal relationship that I have with Santa. It's a transactional relationship I have with Santa Claus. And I wonder if some of us, we have a relationship with God, but it's mostly transactional perhaps. Uh, Oftentimes when we pray, we jump right in with the Santa Claus list. Dear Jesus, I really need help with, please give me, if you're really holy, grant me, grant me these things, Lord. I need God. No, don't mishear me. In your time of need, if all you can get out is help, that's a biblical prayer too. And God hears it, okay? So I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to criticize that. But is that the extent of your relationship with God? Transactions. God give me, he blesses. Okay, thanks. And you're done. Is that the extent of your relationship? Is that the extent of your prayer? We can go further, guys. Let's not rejoice. Just to have a, throwing a list a list at God and waiting for him to dish it back out, that's not a personal relationship. That's a transactional relationship. I think one of the things that makes this kind of hard for some of us is we like to make sense of our world and put together checklists and, yeah, I got it done, you know, everything's checked that off, I did it, there we go. I checked this off and now this has happened, good. I asked, now he gives, good. If you applied that same logic with any of your human relationships, like, you will never be married. You will have a miserable marriage if you even get that far. I do this and you do that. No, it's personal. God wants to have a personal relationship with us. In fact, the whole framework of the Ten Commandments starts like this. I am the Lord, your God. Before the whole, keep the Lord, like, like I'm, I'm, I'm the only one, have no other gods before me, cut out every idol. Don't use the Lord's name in vain. Before any of that, I'm the Lord, your God. It also would have been accurate to say, I am the Lord, sovereign, creator of everything, and you better listen to what I say next. But he said, I'm the Lord, your God. Even in the transactional nature 
of the Old Testament Mosaic Covenant, there was a desire for a personal relationship with his people. Because with the word father, you can't, you can't have father without a personal relationship. It screams relationship. And when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he said, this is how you should pray, our father in heaven. May your name be honored. If we look at God as father, it screams personal relationship. The father word demands that we have a relationship with him. So if you're just throwing your needs to God on a list and and asking him to do stuff, like don't stop doing that. That's good. God loves, God cares deeply about our whole life. Like do that. But if that's all you're doing, I'm not sure if you can really say you have a personal relationship with Jesus. Or at least it's not as personal as it could be. We could have a more personal relationship with Jesus. God is all about a personal relationship. That takes me to number two. We follow a person, not a plan. We follow a person, not a plan. Jesus' great call to his disciples was very simple. Jesus said, come, follow me. He could have said a lot of things there. Come, follow the Uh, the rabbi teachings that I'm going to give you over the next three years. He could have said, come, join me at a synagogue next week. He said, come, follow me. Me. Follow a person. We follow a person, not a plan. We have some prayer plans and prayer resources to help you. Those plans and those resources are designed to point you to the person of Jesus Christ. They're an aid to point to Jesus, because we follow a person. If you have a prayer plan but that's not pointing you to Jesus, that's just tradition that's, um, that's peripheral. It's, it's going to get you out of whack. See, there's, there's a, a lot of Christians get a little wacky when they get the perspective of Jesus out of whack. I said whack a lot, but it works. Christians get wacky when their perspective of Jesus gets out of whack. Uh, Pete Grieg wrote a book called How to Pray, A Guide for Normal People. This is where we got the, the uh, he, he's the one that came up with the P-R-A-Y acronym. But in this book, he, he says, when you get to rejoice, it's when you trade out your microscope for your telescope. This is how he explains it. Uh, when, when we're looking through a microscope, the only thing that you're going to see clearly in a microscope is little. You don't see big things when you look in a microscope. You only see little things. And this is our go-to instrument when we think about uh, life. We look at our little things in our life. Do you forget that the Bible says your life is but a vapor? A mist. When we're looking at our own life, we're always looking at something small. Now, don't hear me. Don't hear me wrong. God, God cares intimately about every little detail of our life we'll only be looking at a transactional uh, relationship of God when we're looking at our life through a microscope. Instead, when we do the rejoice, we trade out our microscope and we pick up a telescope. We cannot look at little things with a telescope. In a telescope, you're always looking at something big and you're looking up. No one's ever looked through a telescope and then said, I'm pretty great. No one's ever done that. You look through a telescope and say, You're God, I'm not. I know where I stand. I know where I stand. I'm blessed to just be here. You're amazing, God. 
we can respond to how good God is. But a lot of Christians get a little wacky when their perspective of Jesus gets out of whack. Here's a couple examples. Let me illustrate it like this. I'm looking at a spot on the back wall. If Jesus is my focus, he is the main thing. I'm after a, a person, not a plan. I follow a person. So if Jesus is who I'm looking at, I can see a lot of other stuff around here. Like I can kind of sort of see a piano right there. I see the sign language, hands moving. I see like, like, I see like, like if somebody's picking their nose over here, I think. Maybe I can. <laughs> I'm meant to see the stuff to the side. In our relationship with God and in, in the spirit world, if we follow Jesus, there's a lot of peripheral stuff that, that I'm supposed to be a part of, like small groups, a specific ministry, like men's ministry, women's ministry, small groups, kids' ministry, whatever is your favorite. There's, there's prayer. There's reading your Bible. There's powerful acts of the Holy Spirit. All that stuff I'm supposed to see when my eyes are on Jesus. But if you get that out of whack and you pick something else, like, like Bible, the Bible, the Bible's the one thing that we can, and that's what you follow? The, the words of the, like, that's Bible worship. We worship Jesus, but sometimes we can get off out of whack, and then we become wacky, and I now see there's a bunch of stuff over here I was never supposed to see. I was never supposed to be a part of any of this. And that's why Christians do some wacky things. When you get that out of whack, you become a little wacky. These are the people that, that would picket another church that believes Jesus is the only way to heaven. They, they would picket them because this is the words are the only perfect thing. Jesus is the perfect thing. Jesus is what's perfect. We wind up doing some wacky things. Or, or I, I have a friend. I, well, I had a friend. I don't talk to him anymore. But he, we're supposed to see powerful acts of the Holy Spirit. Like that's okay for us to see. And instead of running towards Jesus and having all these wonderful things, he was like, powerful acts of the Holy Spirit's the best. And he ran towards that, and that was his focus. And now there's a bunch of stuff he was never supposed to see. Jesus became a peripheral. And he actually, he actually got wacky, so wacky, that he thought he could experience the power of God by smoking marijuana. He called it toking the Holy Spirit. That's wacky. That's wacky. And he got wacky because he got his perspective of who he was following out of whack. When you get your perspective of Jesus out of whack, you become a little wacky. We follow a person, not a plane. Here's number three. It's not, it's not enough to just begin a relationship with Jesus. We need to stay in that relationship with Jesus, a personal relationship. Number three is remain in regular relationship. Remain in regular relationship. Jesus repeatedly drilled down into this idea of a personal relationship between us and him. He did it over and over and over again. Nearly all of us are okay with the idea that that your faith began because you decided to have a relationship with Jesus. I submit that that, that the moment we decided to follow Jesus, that was a transactional relationship. Jesus died on the cross. We said yes. We became saved. But there's, a, there's an ongoing work of, of God in our lives called sanctification. And that's where our relationship with God, a personal relationship with God can grow and develop. And we can always be closer and closer and closer with God. There's not a person still breathing that, that you know, arrived. 
we could always be closer to the Lord. So if you're a Christian, you've, you've received Jesus by way of a transactional relationship by default. You, you said yes to God, saved. But have you remained in the Lord? Have you remained there? That's the idea. We need to remain in regular relationship. Jesus was talking about the relationship he wants to have with us in John chapter 15. And in these four verses, the word remain comes up eight times. Jesus said, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, then you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Church, we need to remain in relationship with God. And if we remain in relationship with God, it means we carry his life with us. Rejoicing for the blessings that we already have is the funnest part of prayer. But so often it's the one we skip. Dear Jesus, I really need this, 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 and this. We just skip it. We jump right to asking, don't we? Am I the only one that likes to jump right to asking? Dear God, here's what I need. Yeah. It's the way we think, think about things. But that's not how the, the model was given to us in the Bible either. In Acts chapter 4, Peter and John were doing the work of the gospel and they were arrested, put into prison. They got out, and they got together with the believers. They're like, how are we supposed to do what Jesus told us to do if we keep getting arrested? And they prayed. And their prayer was recorded. And that prayer in the NIV has 137 words in it. 35 of those 137 words. 35 were a request. The other 102 were thanking God for what he has already done. You're good in math. That's roughly 75% rejoice, 25% ask. 25, 75% thanking God, worshiping God, 25%. Here's what we need. Here's what we need. See, if you run out of time, one of my mentors said, if you have an hour to pray or 30 minutes to pray or 20 minutes to pray or 10 minutes to pray, and you run out of time to actually get to your list and all you've done is this, you're doing pretty good. You got tomorrow. You got tomorrow. You're doing okay if that's what happens. Just this week, I was confronted with a problem in my in my own world, and um, and in the morning prayer meetings here, right when we got to the time where you can pray on your own, I put my head in my hands and I said, "Oh God, I need your help. I need you to do a miracle. Would you? Would you? Would you? Would you? Would you? I need. I need. I need." And then I remembered what I was preaching on Sunday, and I was like, "Wait." Come on. So I put down my microscope of my little problems that felt huge to me. And I just said, God, you are so good. Jesus, I love the... And I became, instantly became aware that everything I needed, he was. Right, he is. He is everything I need. And all the things that I was worried about and anxious over, I'm like, wait a minute. I was worried about this minuscule thing? Oh, Oh, I know what he is. 
I know who he is. And I don't even think I asked God to help me that day. I just spent the rest of the time declaring how great he was and how powerful he was and how able he was. That changed everything. Anxiety over that situation just disappeared that day. That leads me to number four. Proper perspective leads to adoration. Proper perspective leads to adoration. There was a famous Italian Renaissance painter named Filippino Lippi, and he was regarded, is regarded as an amazing painter of the Renaissance era. And all of his paintings were fantastic and whatever. In the art world, they, he was highly esteemed. Except for this one painting in particular. It got in an art gallery just because of, it was Lippi that painted it, but it was, uh, it was regarded as his mediocre work. It wasn't very good. The perspective was off on it. It looked like the, the mountains in the background were in the front, and they were about to fall out of proportion. They um, were about to fall out of the frame. It just was, wasn't a good, good piece of work. And then there was an art critic that was looking at it, examining it, examining it and he got to wondering, how does this amazing painter do something so terrible? We've seen all his other work, but this one's just, bleh. The perspective is so off. Why, was he drunk? Why would he paint something like this? And then he remembered what he had learned in art history. This particular painting had been commissioned by a church to Lippi as, a, um, as an altarpiece. It was never supposed to... He, when, when Lippi painted it, he never thought anybody was going to look at it in an art gallery. He made it to hang on a church wall so when people would knelt down at it and looked at it, it would look right. And so that art critic in his suit got down on his knees in that museum and he looked up at the painting and the mountains came into right perspective. The dude painted a painting to be looked at, looked, looked correctly when you're on your knees. And it looks like junk if you're standing up. It wasn't the painting's perspective that was wrong. It was the, viewer, the viewer's perspective that was wrong. And once he got down on his knees and looked like it was supposed to, oh, this is amazing. And now that painting no longer was regarded as Lippi's uh, mediocre work. It was a pretty ingenious work. He thought about something that nobody else had. Our life, when viewed with a microscope, will have things all out of proportion. But it's not your life that's wrong. It's the way you're looking at it. Maybe. Would we pull back and, and use a telescope to see the greatness of God's love, the greatness of God's power, the availability of God's power in our lives today? We'll start to see life in a right perspective. So let me help you do this. Can I offer a few tips, a few, uh, a few ways to practically rejoice in the Lord? Here's one easy way. Worship music. If you have a device, you have access to every song that's ever been recorded. And you don't have to just listen to it. It's not just something that's a good background when you're getting ready in the morning. You can encounter God with that. You can just tell God how great he is in your own house by worshiping along with that. Here's another thing you can do in your prayer. Uh, I'd like to use um, the great theologian Chris Farley uh, as an example. Does anyone remember, go ahead and put this picture up. Does anyone remember the Chris Farley show from Saturday Night Live about 20 years ago? Is that just a few of us. 
So the Chris Farley show, Chris Farley played the, uh, the character of himself, and he would, he would interview famous people, and he, would, he was a terrible interviewer. It was just awful, and it was just really awkward, and that's what made it funny. So if he was talking with Harrison Ford, it would be like, so you, you remember that time when you were in Air Force One? Yeah, it, yeah, what about it? And Chris Farley would say, well, remember that time when like, the Russians took over the plane, and you had to beat them up to save, to save your, your, the Air Force One? Remember that? And Chris Farley would say, yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> and he would just do that kind of thing over and over. I wonder if we could do that with God. Maybe you can do it less awkwardly than Chris Farley. <laughs> but maybe you can say, God, remember that time when I didn't have anything and I trusted you anyway? And then you came through at the last minute. Do you remember that time? That was awesome, God. That was awesome. So if you're taking notes, put down, be like Chris Farley. That's what you can write. Only, only write that down if you remember to tell God that he's awesome. Or here, here's, here's another example. It may be like a dating relationship. In a dating relationship, you, there's this season of adoring one another. You know, my, when I was dating my wife, I was much funnier then. She giggled at everything I said. Now that I'm married, it's like I'm not funny anymore. I don't know if I lost it or never had it. Yeah. You understand, when you're dating, there's a season of adoring. You might say things like, um, like I like your shirt. That's what you say if you don't have game. I like your shirt. Or, um, or oh, man, you're looking bougie today. Or you're... You're so funny. Or I, I like the way, you can start, start your prayers to God like this. I like the way you talk to your parents. That's something you might say when you're dating. I like the way you talk to your mom. I like the way you talk to your dad. What if, if we can do that with other people? Can we do that with God? I like the way you died for me and saved me. Amen. I like the way you, you lead me into situations that are uncomfortable, but you never leave me alone. And you stay right next to me. I like the way you do that, God. We can do it with others. Let's do it with Jesus. Would you stand with me? You know how to admire and adore somebody else. That was awesome. I like the way if you can do it with a person, you can do it with God. Or right now, we're going to think back to times in our life where, life where you've been there. Every person that's able to hear my voice right now has been led by your spirit closer to you. We're here today. So, God, we remember back to some guiding, some nudging, or some miracle, or something that you've done in our lives in the past. Or thank you. That was awesome. We worship you and declare that you are great and holy. I like the way you speak to us. I like the way you saved me. I like the way that I still feel that you're here even in the midst of a hard time. Lord, we love you. We give you all praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, usually at the end of our services, we'll do... Uh, one song that's pretty common. Today we're going to extend 
our closing worship just a little bit because I want us to practice rejoicing in the Lord. I want us to practice doing this very thing of worshiping God. He's done everything. We get to respond to him today. Amen. Let's respond to the Lord. Today's day 15 of 21 days of prayer, and I want to encourage you uh, to, to pray right along with me. I'm going to pray a, a prayer of rejoicing. I'm going to pray a prayer of giving thanks to God. And so let's all just join with me. I'm going to do my thing, and, and I invite you to pray with me as we rejoice in the Lord. Dear Jesus, thank you for what you've already done. Lord, we rejoice in the blessings that you've already given uh, this church. Thank you, God for the heat. Thank you, God, for uh, this awesome building that we can uh, worship you in. Thank you for the snow plow that was able to clear out some areas. Thank you for the lights. Lord, thank you that you've taken such good care of your church. Lord, we remember what you've done. You died on the cross for us. You came back to life, and there was a, there was a curse of sin on me, but not anymore because of what you did. Thank you for dying on the cross and then coming back to life, making a way for me to come to you and have a right relationship with you. Lord, you made a way. It'd be such a a privilege to be your slave, but I get to be your son. Thank you, God, for making a way. I like what you did, God. That was awesome. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Lord, I like the way that you pull your people together in unity. Lord, I like the way that you... Give your people purpose and mission. When you make a Christian, you, you make a Christian with a mission. So no one's left without a purpose. God, thank you for this, Lord. Today we, we hallow your name. We honor your name. Lord God, you are Jehovah Rapha. You are God, our healer. You are our healer. It's your name. Jehovah Rapha means you're God, our healer. So Lord, thank you for healing You've healed our relationship with you. And God, you could still heal. You've healed, you healed my foot. Lord, I know you've done so many works of healing in, in people's bodies, and you can heal minds as well. Lord, thank you that just because we can, we, we can cry out to you and, and anxiety can just drop. It can just fall off like, like scales. It just, it just can fall because of, because of who you are and because of your power. Thank you, God, for being who you are, Jehovah Rapha. Lord, we hallow your name. We worship your name. Jehovah Nisi, Lord over our victory. Thank you, God, that when we pray, we don't just have to pray. We're not praying for victory. We're praying praying from a place of victory. Because ultimately, we're your kids. We're victorious. We're kids of the King. So God, thank you that you're Jehovah Nisi. We honor your name. We honor your name, Jehovah Ra, God our shepherd. Even when I feel alone, I'm not alone because you're with me. You you're always walk with me in lonely places and lonely times. Lord, you are Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. Lord, thank you that even when my life gets battered up against uh, the rocks and the storm, I feel like I'm going through a storm. You are Jehovah Shalom, God of peace. We can have peace because of you. Lord, you are Jehovah Jireh. It's your name. We honor your name, Jehovah Jireh, God our provider. Lord, I pray wherever there's a lack, we can look to you. 
because you provide. You're the provider for your kids, God. We trust you. Lord, your name is Jesus. You're the author and finisher of the faith. You're the beginning and the end. In you, all things were made. Everything leans on you. Everything's created, and it leans on you. It was created by you and for you. Before all things, you were there. You hold all things together. You are the head. You are the beginning of our hope and the beginning of our faith. You are Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for who you are and what you've done on our life. You are amazing, Lord. We honor your name. Hallelujah. 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 Father, we just come and give you praise this morning. We thank you for your presence in this place today, Lord. As we continue to pray and seek your face, Lord, remind us to rejoice in you first, Lord. Remind us to rejoice and thank you. We do. We thank you for all that you've done in our lives. So we just continue to give you praise and give you glory. In Jesus' name, amen.